Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tech Talk SMB. I'm sitting here today with a couple of luminaries, in my opinion, in the IBMI community. People who, when you first come to think of education in our community, advancing the platform, certainly in many different ways, and all things good in that regard, I'm talking about none other than Susan Gantner and John Paris. And I have to say that it's a real treat for me because I've always looked to them for, for educational advice. I, I've been reading their articles for many, many years, as I'm sure many people on this podcast have been. And they are just a complete wealth of technical resources that is um, just amazing to me, uh, unparalleled, in fact. So it's a real treat for me to have both of you on the, on the uh, call today. So thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you, Charlie. At this point, I'm so embarrassed by the intro that I'm... <laughs> we can only go from here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was the... Now. I think we've reached, yeah. we've reached the it's high all... point, so it's all downhill from here, I suppose, it's all right? It's downhill. <laughs> okay. Well, then it should be easy for us. How's that? You know, it's interesting to me, Susan and John, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't even know you know, people think of you, I think, in many people's mind as a pair. You always come as a pair, certainly. But people may not actually realize your actual relationship you have with each other. I think it's a bit of a mystery to many people. Tell us. This is a tell-all. It's a tell-all. Uh, <laughs> rumor has it. Rumor has here. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> rumor has it that you guys are married. Any truth to that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, we've got a... Big anniversary. Big coming anniversary up coming up the end of oh, this year. Yeah. A big anniversary. Years? 25, 25 years. years. I know. Wow. I can't believe it either. But, it is a big yeah. anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah. And we haven't done any planning because we thought it was next year. <laughs> Face it, even if we, we had known it was this year, we wouldn't have done it. We're not planners. We're planning not planners. is not our strong point. That's true. Planning is not their strong point. You know, so we've we've been on the circuit for you know for quite some time together and i i've been to many conferences where i've seen the both of you and and that's an interesting point that i wanted to really get on record here and that is that you're always together at least i mean i that's been my experience it's been it's been very rare for me to ever see one of you without the other one there and i've told you this many many times but i wanted just to get this here on this little podcast here and that is that when i think of you i i always i had the same thought about Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney. I've I've seen Paul being interviewed a couple of times. And one thing that he said really struck me. And, and what it was, was in all the years he was married, and I'm sure it was more than 25, well, at least he was together with Linda more than 25 years. He's, he has famously said that in his entire time with Linda on this, on this earth, they were separated apart a total of 11 days. And that's been quoted. I guess read something yesterday to verify this. And I, one even said one day. I find that a little hard to believe. But 11 days is yeah. equally as um, amazing. So, yeah. but that's what I think of you. I think of the two of you. I think of Paul McCartney and uh, Linda McCartney. <laughs> well, I think we I think we probably had a little more than 11 days apart. But not, we are pretty not much, a lot, not a, lot. Not a huge amount. Yeah. We are pretty much joined at the hip. And I mean, not just because 
we worked together. We were married and we worked together, which a lot of people say I could never work with my spouse. How on earth do you do that? But it uh, works well for us. We couldn't imagine it any other way. Um, but I mean, we, it's ridiculous. We do everything. We, we go grocery shopping together. <laughs> we, we can't, we can't share an office. Yeah, that we don't do. That's the one thing we can't do. Um, we were forced to share an office for a little while at IBM. Yeah. We were both with IBM and it didn't work well. Talks too much. Yeah, has too much noise. I noise. need I, no, I noise. need noise all the time, and Susan needs silence. That does would, not go well together. Would you mind breaking into song for me right now, just as a? <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the only thing. My office is upstairs. Susan's is uh, in the downstairs part of our house. We do a lot of Skype between. We we, and... we do Skype and phone intercom between between us. Yeah. And, oh, uh, that's in the same in the same house, so to speak, in the same oh, yeah. place. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's he pretty get great. tired of screaming out the well because he's got the radio on. Doesn't you know? I can't just sort of yell at him from my desk because <laughs> he can't hear me. <laughs> on a, on occasion when we're working out of a hotel room or something like this, which of course doesn't happen as often since COVID as it as it used to. Um, but when we're operating like that, then typically I've got headphones in. So that my noise doesn't uh, distract Susan. So let's go back a little bit then. So how did this uh, collaboration even get started? You know, where, where did you? I mean, I know this is tech talk, but where did you guys? When did you first decide to start working together? I suppose. Since the, I remember it, shall I start sure, this sure. and then you can pick up? Um, basically, when I was working with uh, IBM on the COBOL team because I was originally hired on to work with the COBOL compilers. And the first time Susan and I ever worked together was that uh, because I had user a lot of user experience before going into the lab, they wanted me to brief the, the Rochester people on what was new in the COBOL compiler. So that was the first collaboration we had, and that would be in 1988, I guess, something no, like that. that. I don't know. No, it's when the machine came out. Yeah, but I thought anyway. Oh, okay. Who knows when it anyway. was? So, um, see, this is why we can't make it the same way. Anyway, it makes for a was, good story. It makes for a great story. Right, actually, there was there was that briefing thing, and then my role. We we didn't sort of work much together for quite a while. Uh, but I did. We did see each other occasionally at conferences and things, and we were, you know, teaching similar topics. And then I got involved in trying to make ILE comprehensible to the masses. Let's put it that way. And uh, I, uh, I was working with some guys in Rochester, and trying to come up with training materials. And at around about that time, I also knew from working and watching Susan present um, that she was the kind of presenter that was needed. She was the kind of person you needed to put out in front of the business partners, because what was happening was that IBM were putting the deep techies from the ILE architecture group in front of the business partners to try and tell them what was coming and were basically scaring the life out of them. So Rochester came to me and said, you know, we 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 need more user level type uh, discussion 
and ways of presenting it to business partners and early customers. And can can you help? And I said, well, yes, but you if you want someone local, um, the person you need to get hold of is Susan Yantner. And so Susan and I shared materials. She picked up the ball and... Yep, that's it. So I was in Rochester at the time. He was in yeah. Toronto. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that... Uh, we actually met physically, I think, for the first time at a common conference. Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway. And so there that, was a spark. Him... And there was a spark. <laughs> no. Well, no, nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was fun. I, I I do distinctly remember. Oh, that's what he looked like, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. No, it's uh, of course back the that this is before actual email as we know it today. But we had the internal IBM email yeah. system. That props, props that we used a lot. So uh, we did a lot of communication that way. You know, it's funny you say that. A lot of people when they uh, when they. Not so much now because everything is so public and and we have YouTube and the like. But that you're absolutely right. You make a good point when 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 people would start listening to like for example radio uh, people on the radio and then you would see them for the first time. Oh, that's what they look like. You, you, you it's very hard yeah. to put a, to put the face to the voice. I I, I get it. So yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. But you know, let, let's let's keep going with that with that because you you talk about you were you started out in education and obviously that's your that's your um, that's your your gig that you know that's what you're you're well most well known for of course but i think the 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 landscape has changed over the years in fact i'm sure it has because i I've, i i'm in it myself maybe not in the same capacity you are but i i'm i'm in it and i i have seen changes in my my years in, in the uh, in the industry so to speak what what do you what do you think what's what's changed since you first got into it to where we are today for better or for worse perhaps mm -hmm. Well, I think one the biggest thing to me that's changed is that, you know, I started back in, I think we both started System 38, even, you know, right. even before AS400. And at that point, um, I was quite proud of the fact that I felt like I really had a had my hands around the system. You know, I mean, I wasn't a specialist in everything, yeah. but I understood at a fairly, you know, a relatively deep level, I understood pretty much everything there was to know about system and including the AS400 when it first came out. But just over the years, the system has just grown and broadened. It's become such a broad spectrum thing. Um, and at the same time, these getting deeper, right? You need to know more about these other topics. So I think what's happened is, to me is that I've had to narrow my focus dramatically. And it was, it took me a while to get my head around that because I really liked the idea that I knew everything, you know, <laughs> for a while I tried to keep up with everything. And, you know, I found that over the years, I just had to narrow focus more and more and more. I mean, I, I now, especially since working with Paul Tui for so long, I've even, I tried to hang on to both RPG and SQL even, you know, and, and, and be equally competent at both. And Paul was much, was, you know, much more into the SQL yeah. side of it. So I said, all right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that aside. Not not that I didn't keep up with it at all, but that I wasn't trying to become an to retain any expertise, uh, particularly, yeah. and you know, focus more just on the programming side and the tools and uh, and that kind of stuff. And and so it's it's frustrating for me in a way 
that I was kind of forced into these narrower paths. But then again, it's also been rewarding because, you know, it, it is good to to know a lot about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I always like, especially when I'm teaching, I the only time it's ever bothered me to teach, to stand in front of people and teach is what I felt like I didn't know at least two or three times more than what was on the charts, right? If, if I, <laughs> I always felt like, and when sometimes, especially within IBM, IBM had its tendency to sometimes think that that develop that that technical presenters were plug compatible. You know, here, give them some charts, and they can, you can cover this. It's sort of vaguely in your area, <laughs> and um, we. I could never do that. You know, I mean, I I did a few times. I was kind of forced to, but I uh, definitely tried to stay away from it because, like I said, I'm never comfortable doing it. I, I'm only nervous when I don't really feel I know a lot more than what I'm actually trying to yeah. teach. And that would become obvious to the attendees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah eventually. Yeah. In, in fact, that was the death knell of my time with IBM. I I finally quit IBM and accepted a job that I'd been offered some 12 months, I think, before, uh, when my manager, who knew nothing about programming, insisted that I give him my charts and that he would replace me on the uh, Asia-Pacific tour that I was supposed to be about to go on. Yeah, we we talk (laughs) about um, on-site training and things like that, and and Mm-hmm. speaking of conferences and, and the like but you know it's it's no secret that the attendance is down and i i think part of that is because well two things perhaps you know i think the way we consume education today is very different than it was this you know it's much more pervasive the content that is but yeah uh, is it is there something to this that people are busier today than ever or are they not allocating enough time to education or they just don't need it i don't i don't know i, I that that one i have a, i have a, i struggle with because i think education is probably more important today than, than it's ever been because because to your point is there so much more that there's so much more out there today that we need to learn all, all of the above i think um i i would say that for me the the rot sort of started to set in with the widespread availability of internet so even when people were sent on education classes uh you know user group conferences or common or summit or whatever uh, they were still taking their work with them, and you're you're actually teaching a class, knowing full well that the the three rows at the back have all got their fifty two fifty screens up, and they're fixing problems for work. Um, those who were lucky enough to work for a company that understood that you know education was valuable and needed focus would would not do that. But right. there were always people, so that was the sort of start of it. Um, then, of course, you get the whole COVID bit coming along, which forced us all to start looking more remote and the rise of companies like Zoom uh, offering, you know, good online uh, conferencing systems at reasonable prices made a difference. And And allowed education to at least continue. Allowed education to at least continue. I mean, we'd just been dead in the water if it wasn't something like that. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was it was a good thing we're getting through the pandemic, and I think it will continue to be a good thing. But but we it, hate it right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now. I think the the problem is that 
management, particularly if it comes to somebody, something the management has to pay for or prove, um, you know, they've all said, well, can't you just do that online? I mean, you don't have to. I've seen there's these other conferences online. You don't have to actually go there and, you know, stand in front of somebody right. to, to learn from them. But, you know, and online education can, you know, certainly can be quite valuable. And the and it is, you know, one of the things we found, much to our surprise, much as we, as John says, we don't really like doing it, <laughs> you know. It, if you can't see their faces and see the light bulbs go on, because that's to me the whole point of teaching. Yeah. Uh, when well, I the shutters come down, uh, yeah, when the shutters come down, which is every bit as important, it's like yeah. wait, I'm not getting through them, and you know, but you know that's that's the way we teach, and so it it doesn't suit our model very well. Yeah. But some people do it quite well, and yeah. and a lot of people can learn that way, and a lot of people have no other option. I mean, think when we were when we did the first virtual summit, and and all of our workshops and um, and lunch and learns and things that we've done virtually since the pandemic, we've been it never occurred to us how much of a worldwide audience we could get, um, which we couldn't yeah. really to any great extent. You know, few international people would come to summit, mm -hmm. but not very many. So it's both good and bad. Yeah, yeah, we don't the, like the, it, but yeah, the bit, I mean, the biggest problem, and you must have encountered this, Charlie, is that you know, you yes, you have a slide deck. But you never teach the class the same twice. You're, you're constantly watching your audience, seeing what they're keying off on, exploiting that understanding or doubling back on things that clearly they didn't get, et cetera. And, and that's, as a teacher, you lose that in the online environment. Because as Susan said earlier, you can't see the whites of their eyes. Even when you can, even if you persuade yeah. them all to turn on their... Uh, cameras all that that proves to you is that half the time they're drinking coffee talking with their kids dealing with the cat or taking phone calls i mean you know it's yeah so it can be equally depressing when you can't see them i was going to say we, we used to try to encourage people to turn their, their cameras on during classes and then after a while we thought no let's just not let's, let's, let's not encourage them Exactly. Uh, I guess I just wanted to point a couple of things out. I was making some notes while you were talking. The first thing you said to me that that I found humorous, John, was you said if you're you know, the, the back three rows in your session, you know, they don't, they don't have their their green screen on and they're doing work. I would say if, if you only if you only have three rows, you're lucky. I've seen far more in my sessions. So, <laughs> so, so, so congratulations on getting it down to only three rows. In fact, we, uh, okay. we should we should have a dedicated part in the in the conference room. This is the room for everybody to yeah. work on this. Yeah. But you you make a good another good point, and that is that it's um, certainly the pandemic has removed the word local from local user groups, and even the tiniest yeah. of groups have, have now become worldwide. Yeah. You know, at least which is great. But there's an but now that I think there's been a shift once again, and now a lot of the groups, even the larger ones, are are no longer doing you know these hybrid events. You know you have to be there back in person again. Yeah, yeah. which I mean I I much as I dislike um, you know virtual only, I think I almost dislike hybrid more. Yes, we <clears throat> we were often um, asked, couldn't we at least record our summit sessions and you know, make those available to people who can't come. And we always resisted it because we always felt that that was trying to to do, to do serve two masters, right? Uh, to that There's the audience in front of me and there's the audience online. And I personally, maybe some other people can do it, but I personally can't 
do justice to both. Um, I think I can do a reasonably good job of teaching online. Um, and I think I can do a reasonably good job of teaching in person. I, I don't think I can do the same yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I mean, do, to, in person, of course, you you get to convey a lot with body language, mm -hmm. etc., which you can't do in a normal Zoom thing unless yeah. you've got a professional studio camera set up or something, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, but part of the part of the appeal, in my opinion, was the fact that it was a little bit um, ragtag, perhaps, or a little more, you know, grassroots, and and I think we were all, yeah, we we were yeah. all in that same boat, and it was an interesting, um, interesting study in human in human behavior because we all got a, an opportunity to peek into each other's lives and in their homes and things that you would never have with with zoom yeah I, i'm kind of glad it's over though i mean or mostly over i should say i mean certainly we you know i i also host an online forum to this day but it's 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 a different paradigm for sure yeah um sure. anyway let's keep going with this so talking about education there's no end there's no end to what we can keep talking about for our sessions certainly not and IBMI, you know, our, our world continues to evolve at a great pace, which is to me a great, you know, a great pleasure and a great reward, I should say. But what, what do you see? What do you see coming down? Uh, some new trends in the um, in IBMI space that get you both excited as far as you know, technical tools or or the tooling or the languages or hardware perhaps even anything that that really jumps out at you that you say oh my god that's really the that's really cool and i want to talk people you know tell people about that and talk about those topics after you oh thanks uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i i don't know that i can think of any major ones you know i mean it, it's just sort of the fact that things just keep going i mean sound crazy as it might sound every new release of RPG comes out and I read the stuff that Barbara's put out there on the RPG cafe and go, I never even thought about doing that. <laughs> so it surprises me that in a language like RPG that I think I know so well, you know, it just never even occurred to me that I might want to do some of those things. On the other hand, there are a lot of things that I, as I look at other languages like PHP and stuff like that, um, you know, I go, why do we have that in RPG? And of course, in many cases now we do, like, you know, the some of the looping capabilities and race support and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what do you so how do you stay with technology? I'm sure of just reading what you said about Barbara Mar, how do you how do you keep current? I mean, it, it's so it's so much information. And I think part of yeah. the, I think the, the I think the role of a good presenters, educator, trainer, whatever the case is, because there's so much information out there, it's really, it's incumbent on us to really distill that information into a usable form because there's so much out there. But how do you decide with, with, with the wealth of, wealth of information that's available, how do you decide what to put into a, con into a session? I usually don't, uh, I've got to the point where I, I sort of edit out stuff that if I couldn't figure out a practical way to use this, I don't put it in, you know, <laughs> and there, or I'm, if I put it in, I will actually just say, let me know if you come up with a good, <laughs> good use of this because for the life of me, I can't figure out why it's here, you know, and, um, and I often, and sometimes I do, I get responses back and I go, oh, yeah, good idea, you know, and so I'll, I'll maybe put that in. 
But I know a lot of people would sit and go through, you know, one line item at a time and say, I've got to cover every single new thing that's coming out. And I just sort of say, yeah, and there's other things, you know, go go look at RPG Cafe. There's a few other things out there, but, you know, or the um, RDI, you know, new stuff list, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> What's new in RDI list and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I'll always sort of end with, there's other things out there. I focus on the stuff that, I find useful, you know, and I can, if I don't personally use it on a daily basis, I can at least understand where somebody would if they were in a certain situation that I'm not in. As far as keeping up with new stuff, I mean, I mean I'm a voracious reader, listener, etc. Um, so I tend to play with a lot of new technologies when they first come along. And if they seem promising, then I go further down the road. And then I think as Susan has, has said quite often, um, she takes a look at them when I stop swearing. Yeah. Okay. Is that really true? That's absolutely true. Absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he's the company guinea pig. Um, and every once in a while, there'll be stuff that I go, boy, I'm glad I left that one alone. Yeah. <laughs> Let him go. Let him fall on that sword for me. You know. <laughs> let's um. Let, let's change the topic a little bit. I there's so there's so much I want to ask you, and I guess we're not going to get to my list of seventy seven questions. I hope you don't mind if we don't get to all of them. But <laughs> but, but there's so much I. I uh, this is a unique opportunity for me too to to have both of you at the same time. Let's talk about something that's near and dear to me, and and that is that. Um, Talk about mentors, especially with the with the recent anniversary of IBMI thirty five years, which to me is an amazing feat on on many levels. And one of the things that I I put on LinkedIn was a, a small tribute to two of my mentors, actually uh, Al Barsa and um, Bob Krasowski of Common. These two people have really, um, in in a, in, a, in a very large way, put me on a path. I mean, there have been many others along the way, too, and, and I guess mentors do change over, over time, but they put me on a path into public speaking and to really getting me started and inspiring me to do all that. And I, I often wonder if you've had any similar experience, if, if you had any mentors in the early days or even today, who, 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 you know, if someone were to ask you, you know, who are your mentors, or, you know, old and new, you know, near and far, who would you name in that, in that list? Well, let you go first. Yeah, I mean, for me, if I go really far back, uh, not on Ivy MySpace at all by any means, but um, my dad was the person who got me into computers. I was going to be a sociologist. Um, nothing to do with computers. I really had no interest in it whatsoever. My dad worked for IBM and had been a computer geek all his life. Um, and he um, he was the person who kept hammering away at me all the way through college and university, I um, just, uh, I, I did throw him a bone and uh, took some computer courses, but, uh, and, and was amazed how much I loved them. Um, but still, nope, not, not what I'm going to do for a living. Um, and then I got out and said, you know what, I'm either going to go back to school, turn around and go back to school for another 10 years, or I'm going to do something else. And he says, while you're thinking about it, why don't you go down and get a job at, at uh, doing some IT stuff? And uh, I did and never looked back. 
Yeah. So, so he definitely, I uh, was my, my first mentor and um, was the person who, who warned me off of system 38. He says, you're going to love it. It'll be the best thing you've ever done, but you shouldn't do it because it's not going to be around forever. And here we are 35 years later. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> the exactly. follow on to that system that my dad uh, was convinced was going to be a bad career decision for me. Um, is the only, only, uh, bad, well, I won't say bad piece of advice, but piece of advice that I ignored <clears throat> of his because I knew where he was coming from. But uh, I did ignore it anyway, and uh, I was really glad I did. Um, coming into more the <clears throat> AS400 IBMI community, probably at the next level would be John Sears. One of the reasons I, I moved to Rochester from working for IBM in Atlanta was to be closer to people like John Sears. It would be closer to all the the, the heroes in Rochester, but in my mind, John being the teacher um, among them was uh, was the biggest one. So uh, he was a big mentor for me and my, uh, you know, getting to be more known as a speaker in the and the kinds of technical things that, that I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days, um, I would have to say that John, I mean, I'm, I laughed about him being the company guinea pig, but he is the person who drags me sometimes kicking and screaming <laughs> into sub-procedures. Really? Everything. everything sub-procedures. My butter, <laughs> my bread and butter stuff now, I kept saying to him at one point, I was saying to him, why do I want to do this again? I don't understand what's important about this. And it took me, I'm slow. I'm a slow learner. <laughs> but when I get it, I've always been that way about everything. I'm a slow, I've always said I'm a slow learner, but when I do get it, I get it. And, um, and so, can teach it. And can teach it and will teach it forever, which is something that John, yep. he he gets tired of teaching. You know, he, he says, okay, I've really into this topic and I'm going to teach you, teach, teach this stuff. And then he goes, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, a lot of those things I go, all right, I'll take it. You know, so yeah. I kind of get some of his leftovers, cast offs from okay. time to time. Cast off. <laughs> yeah. I just perfect them for you. Dear. That's right. Yes, you do. Dear. Yeah. With, with me, um, I, I actually started that my first experience teaching was with the English company ICL, who were at the time as big in uh, a lot of Europe and places like Australia as IBM were. And uh, they started doing what they call customer centers. And well, we used to train accountants to program. And it was a language very much like RPG. And I was uh, recruited into that center to replace a guy who, interestingly enough, was emigrating to Canada. And uh, so my mentor during that period was a lady by the name of Annabelle Webb, who courtesy of Facebook I just hooked up with again a few weeks ago, um, who taught me how to teach, basically, and how to listen to students and pace to them. Uh, Then I didn't do an awful lot of speaking uh, for a very long time until after joining IBM in Toronto. And they decided they wanted me to speak at Common and introduce the new features of the COBOL compiler for AS400. And from that point on, I used to make a point of watching other speakers. And I, I don't think 
I could claim to have a specific mentor in that anybody who sat down with me and worked through it. Uh, but guys like John Sears, um, Al Barsa, although I could never present like Al Barsa, uh, uh, Jim Sloan, Ed Simon, probably. Ed Simon from Rochester, who most people won't know. But Ed Simon and Dick Baines were probably the closest to mentor mentors that I had. Uh, and uh, then subsequently to that, you know, a whole a whole bunch of other people, Paul and Susan. I, I would return the favor to Susan because she's the one who beats me over the head and tells me, you know, no, that's they're not going to understand that. Yeah, um, I keep reminding him when he sometimes he'll want me to review either something he's written, an article he's written, or some presentation that he's doing. And you know, if I sort of argue with him in a little bit, say I, th I think you should do this a little bit differently, and he sort of, oh no, this is good. I'm going look. If I don't understand it, <laughs> what are the chances? You know, you and I think it's so much alike. You know, if if I don't get it, when you yeah. had to spend this much time explaining it to me, what are the chances somebody else is going to get it? Yeah. You know, Susan, you mentioned that you moved you moved to Rochester be, because of the the um, like John Sears, for example. I, I I used to think back my very first time attending Common was in the, in the 1990s, and this is before there were even a lot of there's a lot of you know on-site online presence. In fact, there wasn't there was none. And to meet these people, I was reading their articles. It was a in in, in some strange nerdy way i guess i was starstruck and i think that's still <laughs> relevant today you know people yeah. still want to meet the, the the you know the thought leaders who are in our in our industry in person and and meet with them and sit with them and you're just asking them a question whatever the case so you know if, if for no other reason that's yet another good reason in my opinion why you should go to um, live you know conferences in person yeah, I think that, that that's that's Absolutely. that's the stuff you can't get on zoom even though you can see people it's not it's never right. the same and I'm not trying to disparage Zoom by any stretch. It's just it's yeah. a whole uh, different. The one-to-one the -one thing, not just with the presenters, but I think when we were doing the summit, what the majority of people were, were telling us was that, yes, I enjoyed the sessions, but sessioning with other attendees, talking over lunch or over a drink in the evening about common problems, and what we had done to resolve them, et cetera, that, that is what you miss with the online stuff. Correct. I, I couldn't yeah. agree. I couldn't agree anymore. And so, it, it, people have tried to duplicate that in various ways. And I've never yet seen it uh, work because you, when you're one-on-one, -on -one, there may be a group of five of you, and maybe one person is trying to dom it tends to dominate the conversation. But if you know there's someone in that group that that you have got shared problems, you can turn sideways and just start talking to them. Right. Whereas in the online world, I find that that people who are, you know the loudest tend to tend to penetrate, shall we say, consume and, all and the oxygen, as it were. Consume the oxygen. That's a very good phrase for this. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. So let's 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 just shift a little bit. Um, so we talk about application development and how it is evolving as it should evolve and it continues to evolve. 
and certainly we're in the digital age today more than we've more than we've ever, ever been before. So the digital age of application development introduces new things, AI especially, and things like Copilot and things like that. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your take on that? I mean, as, as far as its role in, in app dev and is, is it a blessing? Is it a curse? Is it both? You know, there's always a, there's always a, a double-edged sword when you have these conversations, but what's your take on how AI is going to impact application development? I've gone a bit further into that than Susan has. Definitely. So still the guinea pig phase. Still the guinea pig phase. <laughs> yeah. I think um, a lot of us are, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I I think to, to 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 me the answer is it's both good and bad. The good thing that can come out of it is that a good programmer, and I think it was. Um, Richard from CNX was the one who said about it that CNX had been Richard Malone at CNX had been wrestling with a particular problem for weeks and weeks and weeks and could not work it out and finally used a chat GPT or something. One of the, one of the tools and asked it, how would you write code to do this? And it came up with an approach he had never thought of. And um, within days, he had a working solution to something that troubled him for months. I probably didn't actually take that code. And, he didn't actually know, take that code, but it was, a, but it was an approach. Well, the, the code came back in C sharp or something, yeah. whatever. But anyway, but so I think there is a wonderful opportunity for that kind of thing. Where the danger lies is in the people who, unlike Richard, aren't smart enough to realize that I need to study this, understand it, and make sure it does everything it should. Uh, Because as we all know by now, AI lies. It just makes stuff up. And that can happen. Why you would think that that wouldn't happen with the computer program when it also happens when you ask it to write an essay for your university course is beyond me, but people do seem to believe, oh, this would just work. Well, I've had it write RPG code for me, and it makes up biffs. It makes up <laughs> It makes up biffs. So, right? So That's funny. You, know, you, you can see what it's trying to do, and therefore you could take the code and, and, and modify it. But my biggest fear is that, A, of programmers – who won't realize that one has to treat this as a suggestion and not absolute truth, and perhaps even worse, managers who will, particularly ones who aren't terribly technical themselves, who will reach the conclusion that, well, you know, well, the the, the AI is doing most of the real work. So, you mm-hmm. know, I can say that every job will will take a third of what the programmer tells me it's going to. So, you know, there's a fear there of management. There's a fear there of lazy programmers. Um, I think it probably has has usefulness as a tool, but not as a crutch. And my biggest fear is that people will use it as a crutch or as a replacement for actual thinking developers, (laughs) right? I mean, we all know as developers, there's a lot of grunt work that goes on in, in writing code and, you know, letting somebody else generate that. I mean, we've got the wizards and stuff on a very low level and not AI kind of stuff, really. But, 
you know, we, we, we've got some of that kind of stuff. And in some ways, it's just a sort of super iteration of some of that, right. you know, let's use it to help out in certain areas. But uh, I, I mean, maybe someday it can replace a real life programmer, but I think that's that day's a long way away. Yeah. It's in, it's infancy, certainly. Yeah. And it requires a different skill set. Yeah. The, 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 the AI, no matter how good, is only as accurate as the questions it's asked. So if you fail to ask the question completely and comprehensively, what you will get back is is may work, but it won't actually perform all of the task. Well, I mean, I have a similar thing, even interacting with people, right? I mean, so how many times have you been asked a question and you go or or read it online or whatever on a forum and go, okay, I can answer this question. You know, how does one do, you know, how do I do this? But I'm, sometimes I would, I go back if it's an in, individual question, particularly to me as an email, I'll say, I can answer the question, but first I want to know why do you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it seems, it, it seems like sort of an oddball request, you know, and I, I'm not, I don't want to refuse to answer it, but I want to know a little bit more about the context the of the question. And, you know, why is it you want to do this? And quite, and sometimes they, they sell me on it. And I go, fine. Okay. I understand now why you want to do it. I, this is what I would do. Other times I go back and say, well, you know, if that's what you're trying to accomplish, what the question you asked was the wrong question. <laughs> you know? This is the way, this is the way you should, I would approach that. How you dare know? you know, how dare you not know exactly what I'm trying to say and <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. I, I found it useful a couple of times with things like regex. I know that a regex search is what I want, but I can't. I've, I've never been. I wasn't brought up with regex, and I, I still have difficulty in understanding it. I haven't even reached a stage yet where I'd attempt to try and teach Susan. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> <been a> <laughs> um, but but I can but I can ask an AI to do it for me and understand what it produced enough to know whether it's going to do the job. So thing, you know, things like that, I think there, there are, there are niches where I would use it regularly right now. There are areas where it needs exploring, but certainly when it comes to RPG coding, it needs to be fed a hell of a lot more base code examples and specifically good, good, exo good, good examples good. because some of the stuff it's been fed is really old. And if you ask it to produce a modern RPG program and that will do X and what you get given back is an RPG three example, you know that it's it still needs help, you know. Well, hence the term machine learning, I guess. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So I would be completely remiss if I didn't mention Paul, because, you know, I, in my mind, I mean, while I'm enjoying this conversation with the two of you, certainly Paul comes to mind because, you know, you are, you are on some level to many, the three musketeers. I mean, that, that's just, that, that goes without saying, but I did want to ask you a question, you know, because Paul is actually not in the room with us right now. And um, is there anything you want to, you want to tell me about Paul just between the three of us here? Anything you want to tell us about Paul that well, while he's not here and not listening to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh dear God. i can strike oh, that question oh. if you like it's, no, it's, no 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 <laughs> we're, we're good um gosh there are 
Paul is Paul. I mean, where know, do I start? Where do I start? Yeah, really. Where do you start with Paul? Paul is, you know, we, I guess we could start in one way by saying that we've had such a successful working relationship with Paul. And we, that's not true of all the partners that we've who tried to work with in the past. And yeah. so, you know, it's really good that we, we get along. Professional and so, personal. Yeah, yeah, professional and personal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it, it's, we have a lot in common with him and, you know, but not everything. So, you know, we, we butt heads from time to time, but, um, and we've had a, had a few moments of, I can't believe this, you know, but, um, we always come back to, uh, couldn't think of anybody better yeah. to have, to have partnered with for, for all these years. And, uh, and he has definitely has the community and the good of the of the platform and the language as at his core as we do so yeah. uh you know you can't can't really do much more than that he is one one smart cookie if we uh, speaking of cookies <laughs> if we could just teach him to say to pronounce cookie yeah you know <laughs> paul, paul says cookie 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 Cookie. Yeah, yeah, I love the Irish accent, but every now and then some of the pronunciations are like, uh, what? What did you just say? Hmm. As as an uh, originally as an Englishman, I I'm more familiar with hearing the the Irish pronunciation than than most. But but even so, having been over here so many years now, it's every so often Paul will say something, I'll go, what? That's funny. And just, just, I'll, I'm going to just add to that. I mean, Paul, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said about Paul, but uh, you know, I, I, I add him to one of my list of, to my list of mentors as well. He's um, in my early days being a common in particular, he's inspired me to, uh, to do that. So I, I had to, you know, props to him certainly. So thank you, Paul, for that too. So what's, so what's, let's start wrapping this up. So what's, what do you see in the, uh, and the and the agenda here, as far as what's what's coming up, or any new initiatives that you'd like to look at or pursue, what, what's what's new and upcoming with anything, or are you trying to accomplish that's coming down the road? Retirement. <laughs> Retirement. Yeah, we we are. I am as close to seventy as I want to. As I'm going to be. As you want to, as you as can be, be without but, being. Yeah. Hope I'll. And John's been there a while so yeah it's it's retirement is is one of those things that we honestly the funny thing is we, we keep telling people we're working at it we're trying we're, we're trying to retire we practice from we, time to time yeah and it's it's hard i mean it's hard for us it's hard for that we're so attached it's so much a part of our lives yeah. uh our lives together and and just individually um it's so much part of our lives it is really really hard to um to give it up in yeah. some ways. On the other hand, retirement is very appealing. So in, in many ways, so we're, we're kind of working our way in that direction, but we're still, still got things going on. I think we still got a lot we want to do. We've got some workshops coming up, you know, here in, in the near term, but um, you know, I don't see us, you know, totally, not one of these people that's sort of going to say, okay, I'm retired. I'm going to go do something else. He has a gold bit. watch and you're on your way. Yeah, and I, I, me personally, I think John maybe a little bit more than me might have a few things he actually wants to take up, um, spend more time doing that's not IVMI related. Um, but I think we'll always have our hand in as much as we can. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, my idea of retirement so far is spending more time answering questions on online forums. <laughs> Still working, but just not being paid for it. Yeah, just not yeah, that's right. working, but not being paid for it. <laughs> right, volunteering. Well, yeah. I think that just speaks to your passion of, of technology overall. I, that's, yeah. And I, I think I'm in the same camp as you. I, I, the, 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 the notion of actually retiring, walking or not retiring, just walking away from this. I, I, don't, I, it's, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see a clear path, at least not today. I don't see a clear path to that. I, I, don't, I, don't know how I, I don't know how I could, how you could even walk away. From, I mean, people have, I guess, successfully, but I don't know how you do that. Yeah, yeah, I do know a few. I mean, we were talking about John Sears earlier, and I believe he pretty much walked out. But he didn't give up computers. He did work on some other platforms. He, he went and worked on other, other things. Uh, yeah, started. He started from scratch. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not that person. I, I, yeah. I'm, well, I'm too invested. I, I will, <laughs> I will share with you that I, I never forget some, uh, some of my old neighbors when they were already in retirement and they all, they, they all told me the same thing. And that is that they, you know, they were so busy in retirement. They don't know how they ever had time for work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've we've, heard that too. We, we, we've experienced that to an extent. Uh, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Hey, listen, this is, um, this has been such a real treat for me to, 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 to have you in the room with me and to have this great conversation. I'm so appreciative of your time and, and uh, I'll just say it again, on behalf of the IBMI community, certainly everything you've contributed and, you know, given given guidance all these years and information and distilled information, which is no small feat. That's a, a lot of work. And I recognize the effort it takes to prepare a session, you know, uh, monthly articles and blogs and, and the like. You know, it's a, it shows a real commitment. So thank you for everything that you've done. And I uh, Thank you for that. And thank you for this time too. It was really special for me. So thank you. I'm so glad we got to do this as our kickoff for the fall of Tech Talk. Well, thanks, oh, Charlie. Thank great. you, Charlie. Always great talking to you too. Sure. And we always we always need a cheerleader and you are you are one of the best. Oh my gosh. Best. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, thank you for that. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, John, for everything and for your time today. And thank you, everybody who's listening to this podcast today. Stay tuned for other podcasts. We have a lot of great guests coming up down the road. And until next time, we'll see you again. Take care, everybody. Bye now.